Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us here on Bible In-Depth Radio for our study of the Bible here. We study the word. Here we aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. And by the grace of God, we have done 26 books of the Bible. And uh, today, we hope to complete the book of Daniel. And uh, if you've not been able to listen to the podcast we've done straight from the book of Genesis, you can find them on our app, that's Bible In-Depth Network. You can find them on all podcast platforms like Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, you name it, you'll find us there. And you can also be able to listen in and let God speak to you. Because, hey, there's no limitation to revelation. God reveals his word to everybody who shows the need. To everybody who wants God to speak to you, he will come out, he will speak to you, and his word will come out clear to you because he speaks to everybody. He's given us his spirit to live with us. He will speak to us, he will direct us, he will show us uh, the way. We started on the book of Daniel, and we want to try and uh, possibly complete that today. And um, we looked yesterday at chapter 11, and looked at uh, first 10, uh, 9, 10 uh, verses. Today I want us to continue in that line looking at this prophecy that is being given by Daniel of that which is to come, that which he sees that is to come. And it was practically about the world powers, about the nations that were going to come and take charge as empires in the whole world, uh, running the affairs of the world at that time. And we've seen... Uh, him being accurate yeah, in his uh, prophecy. He's a prophet. He's a man who spoke accurately. yeah, And uh, that we have seen because what he said came to pass. And yesterday, where we closed off, um, we closed off at verse 9. Today I want us to start with verse 10 of chapter 11. And we shall try to go through uh, quickly. Uh, to conclude this today. But his sons shall be stirred up and shall assemble a multitude of great forces and one shall certainly come and overflow and pass through. Then shall he return and be stirred up even to his forces. Now, because of uh, where we closed off yesterday, Ptolemy Third uh, having victory in the third Syrian war, the two sons of Seleucus, remember that, that is a part of the Seleucid Empire. Now, the two sons of Seleucus II are stirred up and they want to avenge the humiliation that their father went through. And uh, you have two of them come. Of course, the first who came, he was considered weak and short-tempered. Uh, Seleucus III, yeah, he ascends to the throne, but he ruled just for a short time because he was poisoned by his military officers. Then he's succeeded by his younger brother, who was 18 years by then, who was Antiochus III, Magnus. And uh, this one, though he came to the throne young, he had some value that attached was attached with him because he launched the Fourth Syrian War. And uh, he would meet it with initial success. Yeah, He recaptured much of the territory that his father uh, had lost in the Third Syrian War. And this would also include the prize of Colosseria. Remember, we talked about that, the Judeo-Palestine region. Yeah, 
this young boy comes and takes uh, some victories for the start, yeah? And these victories by Antiochus III were so decisive, yeah, that the Egyptian naval force in the Mediterranean had been neutralized, its army was totally demoralized, and this left Egypt prone to invasion because of what this young man had done. Yet, uh, despite the vulnerability of the opposition, his rivals in Egypt, Antiochus III delayed to capitalize on this opportunity that he had uh, made. And this was costly because this hesitation that he had to go and finish up Egypt, Egypt or the Ptolemies, uh, of course, he even also had a destruction of a rebellion back home in um, Babylon. And this delayed him to give attention to Egypt and thus the successor of Ptolemy the third, that is Ptolemy the fourth, Philopater, he got the time he required. He got this time he needed, he regrouped, yeah, and he assembles a powerful army. And uh, later, by the time Antiochus comes back mm, to fight and con continue the warfare he had started against Egypt and the Ptolemy Ptolemaic dynasty, it was too late because Ptolemy the fourth had built a large army a large enough military force, and he was ready to contend with this Seleucid rival and attempt to recapture Colossiria, that Judeo-Palestine region in which Israel falls, uh, that had been taken away by this young boy, Antiochus III, uh, in his attempt. So, he reacted late and didn't get the results that he needed. Now, uh, Daniel continues, says, And the king of the south shall be moved with Kola and shall come forth, and fight with him, even with the king of the north, and he shall set forth a great multitude, but the great multitude shall be given into his hand, and when he has taken away the great multitude, his heart shall be lifted up, and he shall cast down many ten thousands, but he shall not be strengthened by it. Of course, having secured time, enough time to regroup, assemble a large invasion force, uh, this is described in this passage as that great multitude. Yeah, he got time to get back a great multitude of soldiers. And Ptolemy the fourth would now be moved, yeah, to continue the fourth Syrian war. Yeah, when he comes on um, uh, after this dad of his and he goes on against the king of the north. Yeah, he marches his army in the Palestine region once again, and now he has come on serious business. As it turned out, the wisdom that this Greek commander from Egypt had and the discipline that his army had would allow him, as Ptolemy fourth, to be able to get a victory because uh, it was triumph, obviously. The multitude, in the end, this multitude of the Seleucid army is given into his hand and he's in charge of them. Ptolemy the fourth would be content, yeah, with what he has done because he gains back Colossiria, which is the Judeo-Palestine region, and he does not go on to conquer the rest of Syria at its entirety, yeah. So, while having taken away this multitude, Ptolemy the fourth is not strengthened by this victory, and he's not really bothered by ah. Let me take it further. No, he say that's enough for me. And uh, he returns to his homeland fully content. As long as we've got Colossiria back, I have no issue. And that's what this 
Ptolemaic dynasty leader at this point has in mind. Daniel continues and says, For the king of the north shall return and set forth a multitude greater than the former and shall certainly come after certain years with a great army and with much riches. Of course, this didn't go well for the Seleucids. Antiochus III regroups. Yeah, he decides to regroup and uh, he attempts to renew this warfare with Egypt. He would also seek to capitalize on the death of Ptolemy IV because he dies, yeah, and he's succeeded, unfortunately, by a five-year-old boy. And this boy is Ptolemy V now. He succeeds him, takes charge. Five-year-old, of course, could not lead. Antiochus uh, now feels that having this young man gives him an opportunity to revenge, yeah? So, he starts the fifth Syrian war. That is 202 to 200 BC. And he invades the southern Syria, seizes Gaza, uh, takes occupation of Palestine. And Antiochus III desires to press even further, yeah, to invade Egypt itself because it's a young Egyptian king that is right there. This young boy, he responds by offering uh, one of his generals to lead because for him he's young. His name was Scopus. And uh, he gives this general Scopus, you go ahead and fight for us. You yeah, gain back our region. And uh, this guy tries, does his best, pushes back Antiochus, back at least into the region of Lebanon. And uh, Antiochus third is not deterred. He says, I'll launch another attack. Yeah, those Scopus has sent me back, this general that has been picked by this young boy. So this battle serves as a major turning point in the history of the Syrian wars because Antiochus, he comes back, yeah, and he gets a decisive win over the Ptolemites under the leadership of Scopus, who was picked as a general, and the control of Coliseria hands is handed back into the Seleucid Empire. And now this is done once and for all. They have taken control of Syria, Coliseria, Judeo-Palestine region in which Israel is as the Seleucids. And uh, it seemed like Egypt would never gain control of this area again. Daniel continues and says, And in those times there shall be many that stand up against the king of the south, also the robbers of your people. Now, which people are they talking about? The people of Daniel himself. Robbers of your people shall exhort themselves to establish the vision, the Israelites, people robbing the Israelites. That's what they're talking about here. But they shall fall. So the king of the north shall come and cast up a mount and take the most fenced cities and the arms of the south shall not withstand neither his chosen people, neither shall there be any strength left to stand. Now, with the battle that uh, expels Egypt from Coliseria once and for all, there is a weakening that happens for this Egyptian dynasty. And having become so vulnerable to foreign invasion, this defeat marks almost the end for this Ptolemaic Egypt, this dynasty, the dynasty of the Ptolemies in Egypt. And many in those times, as it said here, would come up against the king of the south. And this is true because Antiochus IV, Epiphanes, that one really stands out a lot, who comes on after um, Antiochus III, he launched even a successful invasion of Egypt. 
and later he would uh, bring Rome directly into Middle Eastern affairs. And uh, this eventually led to the fall of the Seleucid and Ptolemaic dynasty because when Rome comes, it's the end of it. Uh, remember, these Ptolemies had tried to create a relationship with Rome because it was a rising power. And uh, when Antiochus, the Seleucid, Epiphanes comes, then Rome feels we need to defend the people that we have treaties with, which include uh, Egypt. So after the death of Ptolemy the fourth, the fifth, this uh, young boy that had come into reign, another young boy comes into power. That's Ptolemy the sixth, and he ascends to the throne also at a young age, and he is under guardianship. And uh, those who come on to help him as guardians, there were two ministers of state that they picked. One was called uh, Iluos, the other was called. Linnaeus and this plan now to go and recapture Colesiria, the Judeo-Palestine region. Remember, it's a point of interest. This is a place where Israel also falls. So they plot a revenge to come and capture Colesiria again. Antiochus the fourth moved with much speed. Of course, he met the the Egyptian army before they even crossed the desert area into South Syria. And uh, because the arms of the south would not have any strength to withstand him, this leader of the north, Antiochus IV, Antiochus, uh, we see eventually he crushed the Egyptian army so convincingly that now he even marched unopposed into Egypt and occupied the city of Memphis. He met no resistance. He occupies Memphis. Later on, he occupies Alexandria. And now, because Rome had interest in Egypt, had a, a, a treaty of sorts with the Ptolemies, um, Rome is now in a position to intervene on behalf of Egypt with what is happening with Antiochus uh, IV. And they order him uh, to evacuate Egypt. Rome tells uh, this Seleucid king, evacuate Egypt. Antiochus, of course, agrees to withdraw. Because he knew the power that he was dealing with, the Romans, they are not easy to deal with. And they escort him safely out of Egypt. Antiochus IV, we read this in the history of Israel. While we are doing the history of Israel for those episodes we did. He would also be the one who becomes the robber of God's people. The one that Daniel is talking about here. He is the one that is robbing Israel. Daniel's people. He's a robber. Of God's people. This man, um, he heard that Jerusalem had rebelled against uh, the Seleucid rule and he declared for Ptolemy, still upset because Israel wanted really, were interested in the Ptolemites more than the Seleucids. So when he hears that they're against the Seleucid rule, he's upset. Remember, he's been humiliated by Rome by being pushed out of Egypt. And now what he says, in desperate need of resources financially, Antiochus views what the, these people of Jerusalem are doing, falling on the side of Ptolemy and wanting Ptolemy, he sees this as treason. He says this is treason and he seeks to revenge. How? By plundering the city, by plundering the temple. We looked at this when we were doing that history. I may not get into detail with it. Of course, they could not withstand him because he was mighty. So Antiochus IV would successfully invade Jerusalem. That is 168 to 167 BC and rob the people 
of God or the people of Daniel that are being spoken of in that verse. And uh, we saw he stripped the, street, the sanctuary of all its treasures. He plundered the resources of the city. He murdered thousands of people and he sold thousands into slavery. And Antiochus would also eventually pass a royal edict to ban Judaism. And he said, you shall not worship that God of yours anymore. He banned Judaism and he implemented a policy of forced Hellenism. He put pagan altars, yeah? He instituted sacrifices for these pagan altars of the Greeks in the process. He desired eradication, total eradication of the Jewish culture, total eradication of their religion. Uh, but this decision that he made would ultimately backfire. Why? Uh, because when he sends his army back into Judea with the intention of committing uh, such atrocities, Antiochus provoked a Jewish revolt, which we looked at still in the history, that would arise under the leadership of Judas Maccabus, uh, that uh, revolution which we saw as the Maccabean Revolt. Yeah, we looked at that. And this would eventually result in the complete removal of the Seleucid presence from Judea altogether. Yeah, so Antiochus IV attempted to exalt himself by robbing the people of Daniel, but would ultimately fall and fail to establish this vision that he had, as we have read from that verse. God has included this era of history in the Bible because these five Syrian wars had a direct effect on his chosen people of Israel. At that time, these Jewish people who are located in that region of Kole, Syria, all which you might call Judeo, Palestine. So when it falls into uh, this section of the Bible and this section of prophecy, it's because Israel is involved in the politics of the world that is happening at that time. And it is as a result of the fact that the Coliseria or Judeo-Palestine region is in that section that is being fought for by the world powers of the time uh, that included the Ptolemies and the Seleucids and Rome eventually. So he goes on Daniel and says, But he that cometh against him shall do according to his own will, and none shall stand before him. Now, here is where you take a shift, because from where we've, we end, uh, what we've just discussed, the Seleucids are losing power. They are losing control, and Rome is coming to the scene. So this passage is speaking of the time when Rome now comes to take over from the Seleucids. So when we read, we can read this passage in such a way, but he, saying Rome, that comes after, that comes against him, talking about the Seleucid, you know, the king of the north, shall do according to his will, and none shall stand before him. Who? Rome. Yeah? So, furthermore, because Rome would come from the north to conquer Syria, it sort of replaces and becomes the king of the north. So, moving forward as you read, you're looking at uh, consideration being given to Rome. It's Roman authority that could replace, if you get into replacement policy, uh, that now it's the king of the north because by then, when the Romans come, the Seleucids have no more power and they cannot influence affairs anymore. And he continues there and says, and he shall stand in the glorious land by which his hand shall be consumed. This phrase describes that Rome would involve itself in Syrian affairs end the Seleucid uh, rule and also intervene in affairs 
of Coliseria, which is Judeo-Palestine. And uh, this uh, would represent them now as the king of the north. Yeah, And it shows you their time is done, of course, by the coming of Pompey uh, the Great. Here is where it speaks of them. And through by 63 BC, through the military might of Pompey the Great, Rome would stand and consume this land of Israel. As both Syria and Judeo-Palestine, they would become Roman provinces. We looked at this when we were checking through the history of uh, Israel. And he shall give him the daughter of women, corrupting her, but she shall not stand on his side, neither be for him. After this, she she shall turn his face into the isles and shall take many. This passage describes association of Caesar, yeah, uh, with the famous Egyptian queen who is Cleopatra uh, that is being labeled here as the daughter of women. Of course, Caesar makes Cleopatra his mistress as a show of power and uh, taking this daughter of women, as she's called, and corrupts her. Uh, of course, it comes out and tells you that she will not be by his side. Eventually, however, we see Cleopatra would not stand on his side or be with him because she would be powerless to stop his untimely assassination in March 44 BC as this man, uh, Caesar. But a prince, Daniel continues, for his own behalf shall cause the reproach offered by him to cease. Without his own reproach, he shall cause it to turn upon him. Then he shall turn his face toward the fort of his own land, but he shall stumble again. And not before then shall stand up in his estate a raiser of taxes in the glory of the kingdom. But within a few days, he shall be destroyed neither in anger nor in battle. Of course, uh, when you continue here, we are still moving on with Rome. And uh, this is now a successor, Julius Caesar, um, who is later renamed, the successor of Caesar, Gaius Octavian, who is later renamed as Caesar Augustus. And um, here, understanding the phrase raiser of taxes, in the gospel, when you look at Luke, he refers to Augustus in this manner. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, says, And it came to pass in those days that there, that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor in Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. So uh, here he's referred to Caesar Augustus as the one who raised taxes. And in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give honor of the kingdom, but shall come in peaceably and obtain a kingdom by flatteries. This is, of course, when Caesar Augustus Caesar dies, uh, there comes Tiberius, yeah, who comes in as the next official Roman emperor. And with the arms of the flood, they shall be flown from before him and shall be broken. Yes, also the prince of peace. Now, after ex establishing this context toward this conspirator is Tiberius. Yeah? He is the one who eventually would cause the prince of the covenant that's being talked about here to be broken. The Bible demonstrates that the prince of the covenant is none other than Jesus Christ. When you check Isaiah 9.6, Acts 5.31, and uh, it's reference to Jesus Christ himself. And since Tiberius had served as emperor from AD 14 to AD 37, the period in which Christ was, we can demonstrate that uh, it's Christ uh, that they're talking about here. And he was crucified during the reign 
of Tiberius himself, by the way. So, since he, Tiberius reigns from AD 37, he would be the emperor uh, in power in AD 31 when this prince of the covenant was broken. So, Tiberius was the actual emperor in power when Christ is crucified on the cross in AD 31. And he goes on and says, And after the league uh, made with him, he shall work deceitfully, for he shall come up and continue and says shall be shall become strong with a small people. Having ended uh, this verse twenty two with the crucifixion of Christ under the reign of Tiberius, verse twenty three shows a shift of time uh, when the Jewish nation now would start to enter alliances or leagues with Rome. Yeah, this Jewish Roman league is first initiated as we saw by Judas uh, Maccabeus the one who, uh, in the period of the uh, Maccabean Revolt, remember, these ones, they appealed to Rome for assistance during the Jewish struggle because of the Seleucids, yeah? And they wanted help from Rome. So they entered a league. They entered a part of agreement with the, the people of Rome, and he hoped that this Roman assistance would intimidate the Seleucid dynasty, and they would eventually establish an independent nation free of any foreign control. And uh, these still continued. These leagues still continued. Even after Jewish freedom from the Seleucid oppression, Rome would still go and use this Jewish league for its advantage. Of course, this eventually did not end well because uh, the people started to suffer from their alliance with Rome, which we may not get into detail right now. And he shall do that which his fathers have not done, nor his father's fathers. He will scatter among them the prey and spoil and riches. In this passage, Daniel states that Rome eventually would do what their fathers and fathers' fathers had not done. What was this? The destruction of Jerusalem. That happens, the destruction of the temple. This happens in AD 70. And uh, this, under the command of Titus, Flavius, uh, pagan Rome, would do that which its fathers had not done, and it raised both Jerusalem and the temple to the ground. And uh, yeah, and he shall forecast his devices against the strongholds. Of course, after the destruction of the temple in AD 70, Rome goes on, forecasts its devices against spiritual strongholds of Christ. How? they engage into extensive persecution against the Christian church that was rising. And even though the Christians had enjoyed some degree of freedom during the reign of Rome, history still tells you and demonstrates that there were several persecutions at various times and uh, many matters gave up their lives for the gospel of Christ. And we are told here, even for a time, it's even for a time, Christian persecution would last but it would just be for a time. We'll try and close up with this chapter today. And he will stir up his strength and courage against the king of the south with a large army. So the king of the south will mobilize an extremely large and mighty army for war, but he will not stand for schemes will be devised against him. The, the south can't rise anymore. He are being talk, talking of Egypt now. Those who eat his choice food will destroy him. And his army will overflow, but many will fall down slain. As for both kings, 
their hearts will be intent on evil, and they will speak lies to each other at the same table. But it will not succeed, for the end is still to come at the appointed time. Then he will return to his land with much plunder, but his heart will be set against the holy covenant, and he will take action, and then he will return to his own land. At the appointed time, he will return and come into the south, but this time it will not turn out the way it did before. For ships of Kittim will come against him, therefore he will be disheartened, disheartened and will return and become enraged at the Holy Covenant and take action. So he will come back and show regard for those who forsake the covenant. Forces from him will arise, desecrate and sanctuary fortress and do away with regular sacrifice. And they will set up abominations of desolation. By smooth words he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Of course, now, here we are heading straight into, his, into, into the future. Daniel speaking f- things to come in the future. These could probably even include uh, other regimes that could take over in the future. Because where we see this, it's coming and portraying the end, the real end. Yeah, And those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many, yet they will fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity and by plunder for many days. Now when they fall, they will be granted a little help, and many will join them in hypocrisy. Some of those who have insight will fall in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end time. Yeah, they're talking end times here now because it is still to come at the appointed time. Then the king will do as he pleases and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods and he will prosper until the indignation is finished for that which is decreed will be done. He will show no regards for the gods of his fathers or for the desire of women nor will he show regard for any other god for he will magnify himself above them all. But instead he will honor a god of fortresses, a god whom his fathers did not know. He will honor him with gold, silver, costly stones, and treasures. He will take action against the strongest of fortresses. With the help of a foreign god, he will give great honor to those who acknowledge him and cause them to rule over the many and will parcel out land for a price. At the end of time, the king of the south will collide with him. And the king of the north will storm against him with chariots, with horsemen, and with many ships. And he will enter the countries, overflow them, and pass through. He will also enter the beautiful land, and many countries will fall, but these will be rescued out of his hand. Edom, Moab, and the foremost sons of Ammon. Then he will stretch out his hand against other countries, and the land of Egypt will not escape. But he will gain control over the hidden treasures of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. And Libyans and Ethiopians will follow at his heels. But rumors from the east and from the north will disturb him. And he will go forth with great wrath to destroy and annihilate many. He will pitch the tents of his royal pavilion between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain. Yet he will come to his end and no one will help. Of course, now this speaks of the future, of that which is going to come, because we are talking the end times now, of that which will come, the chaos 
those who want authority, those who try to claim the place of God, but hey, they will not stand because it all belongs to the Lord. We shall complete our book of Daniel tomorrow in the last chapter of this book. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the study. And we pray a blessing upon each and every one. May you prosper us. May you increase us. May you help us walk with you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.